You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? And if you've been here since the beginning, or if you've gone back and listened to all of our episodes from episode one, you know that besides me and my voice, the other constant that has been on the show for over six years now has been the band Code Electro. My buddy Martin has been supporting the show with his music since the beginning. And whenever I uh, go to commercials or whenever I go uh, look for tracks for my intros and outros, I will go back through his catalog and start to play some of the hits. And I know those hits hit real hard with all of you diehard fans of the show um, because you know that the sound of Code Electro is the sound of In Love With The Process. That's why today's episode is so special to me. Uh, returning to the show today is Code Electro, uh, and I'm excited because he just put out a brand new vinyl, brand new album called Deeper Cuts. Um, it's awesome. I love it. He sent me the vinyl. It's a beautiful vinyl. Uh, we're going to be playing tracks off the new album uh, all throughout today's episode as we talk with Martin, and we're going to get nerdy. We're going to get deep into uh, the origins of electronic music. Um, we actually talk a lot about, uh, you know, German electronic music, and he sort of opens my mind to uh, the origins of that, which I never really thought about, so stick through it. Um, the episode starts a little slow because I am hungover today. <laughs> we were out uh, celebrating last night. Gina and I and Lance went out because um, we're almost done shooting the new short. Uh, we just had a really great day of pickup shots, um, which we shot during like this fucking insane rainstorm that was here in Los Angeles. I don't know what's going on with the weather, man, but it's been raining like a motherfucker here and it was freezing cold. Um, and uh, we were uh, locked out in this garage trying to bang out insert shots, which was a lot of fucking fun. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, there's so much stress that, that comes around doing a, your own personal project, especially if you're financing it, right? And uh, one of the things that I've been having trouble with, especially with this film, is blocking out the external stresses that are coming in at it, right? Especially if you're creating a, a new piece of work for fans that are currently in love with your past piece of work. You're very judgmental on what it is you're doing. You're very focused on trying to make it live up to what that prior piece was and that's a big part of my thing but then also like the external stuff people get excited your support system gets excited about you like you know agents and management and all these folks that are like this is going to be so great for you when this thing releases and that external stress has been a thing and uh, that has been weighing on me i feel as i've started this project because initially when I set out to make the short film, it was just Lance and I post-COVID just finally coming together and saying, hey, we should work together. Uh, you should have me on screen where my face is shown, says Lance, <laughs> finally. And, um, you know, I wanted to test out some of these new tricks and techniques that I had learned from reading uh, Judith's books, Judith Weston's books, uh, you know, directing actors. Um, and so we both got nerdy about that and we both spent a lot of time developing this character and developing traits of this character and I started to work on my uh, communication skills with an actor and my uh, ability to create an environment for an actor to uh, discover things um, and that that was 
ultimately the purpose of this. And so when we set out to make that film, we were like, hey, let's just do a scene and let's have it be emotional and let, let's play with this. Now, like anything, as you've heard me talk about this on prior episodes, like anything, when I get started on something, I see it and I go, ah, the potential here is so much cooler. And so then we fall down this rabbit hole of, well, what if we had this? And what if we get some effects? And what if we do this shot? And, oh, it'd be great if we did this scene. And so then it starts to build itself out. Um, to your benefit as the audience, because you're going to watch this piece and go, holy fuck, you know, where did this come from? Well, that's where it came from. Uh, so uh, very excited. We did a day of inserts. And my point was that all that stress uh, was breathing down my neck when I was doing the initial shoot. And it wasn't as fun for me. It didn't feel fun. And it wasn't as, until we did this insert day that it felt like a blast. Um, and Lance was firing on all cylinders. And then I have been doing this sort of insert stuff for years. And so that came back to me and was sort of second nature working in the macro world and um, all that really fun stuff. And then the, there's something so cool about doing practical effects. And this is relevant to today's episode because we talk about, um, you know, creating music digitally, right? And on the computer by yourself and then trying to incorporate that into some sort of live performance. And, uh, you know, the the danger of fucking things up and the uh, beauty of imperfections when st something is done live um, is very addictive and very like euphoric when you go through that process. And when we're shooting things practically for our effects, I feel the same way when you see something on screen and you'll see, I don't want to give anything away, but there's a very specific shot that I was doing that was a macro shot and I brought a light into and I was trying to shape the reflection of that light to feel like a doorway. And then I was had this idea of putting things in front of that. And I was like, man, that's cool. That's fucking rad. And then so if it ends up in the piece, hopefully it will. But if it ends up in the piece, you guys will watch that clip and go, did they CG that fucking thing on that guy's eyeball? And it's all in camera. And it's, it was fun. It was like such an impulsive uh, thing that just happened. Um, and I think that happens with, with live music, too. And I think that happens with any art form where uh, you're, you're just unaware of what it's going to do physically as you're sort of putting these things together. Like if you're uh, molding clay um, or if you're, you know, making a meal, cooking a meal. The theory's right, right? Like if I heat up the pan and I add the oil, it's going to get warm and I can I can start to, you know, f fry things in this oil. But there are always these other elements that are involved, right? These, these like strange, unplanned for imperfections that make it interesting. And then what ends up happening is, we talk about this on the show today, those imperfections uh, start to define your sense of style as an artist, right? Because you're trying to repair these imperfections or you're embracing them and going off on a different path. Um, and so we, we totally get into all this stuff. So today's a good show for, for those of you who are feeling insecure about your own style and your own sense of style. And we'll, we'll give you some reassurance when you listen to this. And Martin's a great guy for that. So before we get into it, I just want to thank everybody for following me on Instagram at Mike Petschy and for following the podcast that in love with the process pod. Those are the places to go, uh, especially my personal account at Mike Petschy for contests, for giveaways, because stick around to the end of today's episode. We are doing a brand new contest and giveaway 
the end of the episode today. And it's a great one. You guys can be very excited to be part of this and to get your hands on what we're giving away today. So um, definitely stick around for that and be sure to be following me at Mike Petchy for rules, uh, for uh, ways to uh, enter the contests, for things I'm going to have you do to win what we're giving away on today's show. So um, fuck yeah, man. Uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's start a track. Let's play some new code electro. And uh, Martin is ready to start chatting. So uh, pull yourselves closer. Get those noise canceling headphones up and running. You want to crank them, right? You want to be out at about eleven. Close your eyes, right? Let's 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 disappear into the soundscape that is Code Electro on the brand new episode of In Love with the Process. friend how are you buddy i'm great thanks how are you it's uh, i'm good man a a little slow this morning we were out late last night celebrating uh, a shoot that we just did so bear with my rugged voice and my slow (laughs) you know over brain today yeah (laughs) that's great the the time is here time here is like uh, 8 p.m so uh yeah i'm a little yeah, <laughs> it's late there. It's early. Like I just yeah. showered. It's the morning here in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy how the internet works. Uh, yeah. It's been. We were just saying this before we rolled. It's been years since we've actually hung out and we've been in the same space together. Yeah, I think it's uh, like I told you. I think it's been like it was in 2017, uh, something like that. So yeah, long time. Yeah, yeah. You came to Boston. We went out. We had a bunch of beers. We bought yeah, we it bonded. was a great time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it feels like so much has happened since then. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How's life? What, how how you been, dude? What's what's new? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, since in 2017, I've become a father. <laughs> so that's a pretty life-changing event. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a lot of areas. And uh, yeah. 
what else? I've been working on my music and uh, writing stuff, and uh, you know, life takes you all kinds of, gives you all kinds of uh, challenges and uh, yeah. experiences, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm good. I can't complain. That's great, man. And you know, I gotta say a couple things. One, yeah. you know, thank you for constantly, you know, supporting us here at the show. We've been playing your music on the show since day one. Um, and it's really the lifeblood of what this podcast is. Like everybody loves your music. Everybody's excited about Code Electro. Um, and so I really appreciate you being there since the first day with us. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. And and really, it should be me thanking you because <laughs> you started the, like like backing backing up Code Electro from yeah like day one. So it's been. It's been awesome. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And I was very excited when you did your your live sessions. Uh, that stuff was so well recorded. Of course it was because you were doing it, but it was just <laughs> so well put together that it didn't even feel, it almost didn't even feel like a live album. It almost felt like you were back in the studio recording again. The stuff sounded yeah, really yeah. great. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I, I just, you know, I, I went... For the best musicians, and uh, I had uh, this great drummer and the, the really, really great guitarist also. So, so it helps having people <laughs> playing, <laughs> playing really, really good. So, uh, so I, then I had just had to press the keyboard sometimes and and turn a few knobs and uh, yeah, yeah, and then it was for sounding okay. Uh, yeah, it it sounded pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it sounded great, dude. <laughs> yeah. It sounded really great. <laughs> Thanks. Have you done any? Uh, have you been performing it live at all since then, or what's new with uh, that stuff? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I've been playing like uh, I did one live show before Corona, and everything shut down here in Denmark, and mm -hmm. uh, for like a long, long time. And then I did one live show after Corona, so I have been playing two live shows. <laughs> the the original plan was that I would, you know, uh, uh, play the one live show before Corona and uh, get some uh, video footage recorded and doing this whole uh, live uh, video album thing and then start to try to book some gigs, mm -hmm. but then everything shut down and uh, I have spent a lot of money on uh, recording it. <laughs> so I thought that, yeah, let me just, why not make an, a live album? Mm -hmm. uh, that sounded like fun mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was a whole lot of work, but, uh, but yeah. It was fun, yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, my, sorry, yeah. sorry, go ahead. There was a bit of a delay. Yeah, I, I mean, it it sounded amazing. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, and then I uh, did the, the second live uh, show, which also went really well, and I recorded something, a few tracks from that, and then I had this idea: I want to do something different, and I did this cassette release <laughs> and uh, it was like cassette only mm -hmm. so uh, if you wanted to hear the tracks you had to buy the cassette and uh, a really fun uh, fun thing to do and also i i mainly uh, make vinyl albums and they take like forever they take years to make and then making a cassette it's like a few months and then you have something uh, physical uh, and can release that and that's a really fun experience too so yeah yeah I, I was talking yeah. to my friend out here who uh, has um, Alex who's been on the show he has like one of the biggest uh, vinyl shops and he was he was telling me you know it, it occurred to me how little I actually knew about it because 
vinyl is such a specialty thing. There was a period of time, especially like right after the pandemic where, um, like, I think one of the biggest vinyl printing shops like caught fire or something like that. And so yeah. <laughs> it was very difficult oh. for bands to make, uh, uh, vinyl pressings at that point because the supply, the backlog was just ridiculous. And unless you were like, you know, you know, one of the like Taylor Swift, you're, you're, yeah. you're not yeah, at the yeah, front yeah, of the yeah. list. Right. Yeah, um, and I also think that wasn't it like uh, Adele also releasing something on vinyl, and they just booked all the <laughs> the, the pressing plants yeah. uh, to make her album. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So then a lot of smaller uh, acts, a, lo a lot of acts that weren't on massive labels, then had to come up with a creative way of releasing their stuff physically, and so yeah. cassettes sort of came back into play because of that, which was fascinating. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I think the the, the waiting time for making uh, a vinyl is like um, almost a year at that point it's crazy it's crazy uh, yeah it's crazy yeah and it it, it has been it has gotten uh, faster uh, over the the time because probably the the record plants has has uh, bumped up the production facilities probably and invested in that so uh, yeah yeah, yeah, because vinyl's vinyl's made a huge resurgence. I mean, I mean, yeah, I feel very spoiled being out here in Los Angeles because there's at least there's at least twelve vinyl shops that are great, like really great vinyl wow. shops that are here. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, as opposed to back on the East Coast, I think there's like one or two that I used to go wow. to in Boston. So it's it's nuts, man. And, and now I just sort of because <laughs> I've become addicted ever since Gina bought me the. <laughs> the uh record player years ago like right around the pandemic i've just become yeah. fucking addicted <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'm just running around and a lot of what's fascinating because i used to work in a music store back in the day and we would just get yeah. crates of cds and then when you ran out of cds you just put in another order and you get another crate of cds coming in but now like they don't press a lot of this stuff and so you're on the hunt for mm. stuff that's being sold from personal collections, stuff that ends up back in circulation because people are are dumping their stuff, and it's it's pretty wild, man. It's it's fun. It's almost very. It, it's like an archaeology experiment where you're <laughs> sort of digging through time, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. And it's the weird stuff, right? Because there's a tons and tons of you know '70s albums, and all, like during that period of time when they were pressing vinyls, mm. there's lots of that. But if you're looking for uh, 90s stuff if you're looking for like strangely like if you're looking for like 90s rock like i picked up mm. i picked up the cult recently and it was such a rare yeah. find and i was just like <laughs> wow and he, the, the guy at the record yeah. store was like these used to exist all over the place and now when i see one of them it's such a rare find, rare find because they don't print these anymore wow yeah. wow that's wild yeah mm-hmm mm -hmm. yeah yeah. It's cool. Stuff. Yeah, it's it's awesome that that, that vinyl has has this uh, resurgence or, or you know like uh, coming back. Uh, it's it's a really fun media to work on and and to release and to uh, write music for. Yeah, yeah. Because are you mastering? You're mastering differently when you print it to vinyl than you would if you're yes. doing it digitally, right? What what is the process for you? Yeah, well, the the process, mastering process is quite different than making music for digital release. Um, it, yeah, one of the, the the things is that that I think that it uh, the bass frequencies has to be mono 
uh, it can't be stereo because then the needle will jump on the on the vinyl uh, when you're playing it. So, so that's one thing. <laughs> uh, and also, also uh, you can only have like 21 or 22 minutes on each side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you have too much bass-heavy music close to the middle of the vinyl, it, it can distort or sound bad or something like that. Um, Weird. It's, yeah, yeah. So there's some few things about that you have to take into consideration when you're making a vinyl. That's yeah. why, because you forget, like I did some research on it a while ago on like how vinyls actually work and it still, it still blows my mind. It still feels like magic, you know, yeah. <laughs> like the peaks and valleys and this needle running over the peaks and valleys and somehow that, you know, translates into, into music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, it, it's like a analog conversion, like the in digital, you have the digital conversion and and, and the thing sounds like perfect, mm-hmm. and uh, vinyl just has a different feel, and uh, uh, and it can be a lot more dynamic also because you don't ha- you don't have to compete with uh, with all the other artists on the radio. Right. Not like my music is going on the radio, but but on Spotify, you don't have to compete with the other artists. Um, you can just like make things really really quiet, and you can make them really really loud. Um, oh, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. What's the uh, the Dire Straits? Um, uh, what's it called? The the if you listen to the Dire Straits, uh, I'm not sure album. Which uh, which one? The, the the chicks for free. The uh, my, that MTV one? brothers in arms. If you listen to that track, you, it starts so quiet and then it just develops uh, from almost nothing. And I I don't think you can you will find. Artists today work uh, not not in mainstream music. I don't think uh, people are working like that. Uh, you have to be you you know uh, fr- loud from the start. Uh, yeah, right. And, the, and then and that's where vinyl really can make something unique. Uh, and I love that. Uh, huh. Yeah, that's fast. Yeah, that's true. But, okay, because for multiple reasons, right? So what we're saying here is that when you're on Spotify. It's really about keeping everybody's attention, right? Because most yeah, people yeah. that are on Spotify, unless there's an artist or a legacy act that they're listening to that specific channel, like, hey, I'm going to listen to everything Metallica today. You're basically yeah, yeah. listening to playlists that Spotify puts yeah. together. And yeah. so you're competing with the loudness factor and the wow factor. It's almost the same thing with movies, where you have yeah. to have you know the most intense cold open to keep everybody's attention uh, for that series. 
It's fascinating. Yeah. And so Absolutely. then if you're doing an album, you know that you're that that person has bought your curated experience, right? And they're, Absolutely. they're yeah. putting that on. So yeah. Play. That's cool, yeah. man. That's yeah, cool. actually Spotify has their own loudness system, but but I'm not sure how it it works, but but there's still something with the dynamics and and you still have to, you know, to make something that sounds uh, loud. Um but but one thing that's different also on the vinyl is that that I decide or the artists decide the the um, how the tracks are played. Um so you decide how people are listening to it. Mm-hmm. That's that's really awesome too, I think. Um like in movies, uh, you also <laughs> the director is also deciding in what order mm-hmm. people should watch watch the movie, and I think it's the same with the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with vinyls. Like I feel like once mm-hmm. you got into CDs, there was a period of time where you could pick tracks and you could program your CD players to do track specific ways, and that that started to change it. But with a vinyl, it's 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 just a pain in the ass to get up and lift the needle and put it in different spots. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is funny. Which is funny when yeah. you think about it, because I, I think that's what I like about the medium so much is that when I sit down mm-hmm. and play a vinyl, the chances are I'm listening to that album front to back just because I have to go up, put it down, do it, and then yeah. Yeah. that physical act of placing the needle, making sure you do it correctly, and then just listening to it, it you become yeah. so much more immersed in the experience because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you have to you you know you have to listen to the great track, and then the the bad track is coming, and then the the, the another great track is coming, and and you have to yeah, and then the the feeling would be more um, I don't know. You will go you will go through a, a, an emotional process, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude, I love that. And <clears throat> one of the things that I found when I used to work for the music store back when I was a teen. We used to uh, play full albums or we would just put stuff on the background for work. And then they hit this point in time where they were sending us out these uh, pre-play tapes where the corporate company decided what songs were. I think they sold it to the different people in uh, record labels, like what songs would play in the record store. And so I fell in love with a lot of like B, C, D side tracks on stuff where people will sit there and bring up like, I don't know, a band like Ministry, right? And anybody that Mm -hmm. talks about Ministry, they're they're talking about the big hits, the heavy hits. But Mm -hmm. like, I'm a huge fan of Dark Side of the Spoon uh, because of that. And they're all like these B, C, D tracks that they, they never play. Al doesn't play on tour. And they define ministry for me. And and I kind yeah. of feel like it's my own special uh, thing, you know, because I fell in love with that. And, and so I think that whenever an artist puts out an album, of course, they have what they think of the radio hits, the front facing, you mm. know, the loudest, most poppy sounds that there that exist there. But when I listen to vinyls, I feel like I fall in love more with these other tracks, these hidden tracks or these tracks in the middle of the album. Yeah that define it for me that I never would have listened to if I was listening to it on Spotify on one of their hit playlists or even back yeah. in the day, if I was just uh, listening to the radio and I was just getting like, you know, enter Sandman every fucking 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's a great thing about vinyl. Yeah. Because on Spotify, you just listen to a playlist and it's like, you're listening to Spotify. You're not listening to all the artists on this playlist. Yeah. You're not, you're, yeah. If you know what I mean, you're just listening to the, the, the playlist itself. And it's the playlist that you're, like or your react to and uh yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, I like to play vinyls. We ha- we'll have parties here at the house. Gene and I will put things on and I'll walk over. Mm-hmm. I'll start, you know, faux DJing a night. So I'll start putting together like playlists of like weird B-sides. And, mm. and it's always so much fun to do that, to introduce songs to people and have them go yep. like, what the fuck is this? And you go, oh, this is this band. They go, really? And you go, yeah, this is on the second side of this. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, holy shit, I've never heard this before. And I go, yeah, man, I love that, man. That's like, in another world, maybe I would have been a DJ, but like, I, <laughs> I love introducing, even with movies, I love introducing people to new emotional sounds. Because, I mean, we've talked about this a bunch on the show. Um, mm. You know, sounds and music becomes an emotional timestamp for what it is that you're experiencing when you listen to it. Yeah. So absolutely. So much fucking fun, dude. So much yeah. fun. Um, yeah. So the new album, Deeper Cuts. Yeah. Where, where did this come from? What was what was the motivation for this? Yeah, uh, it's like um, it's the, my fifth <laughs> studio album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> crazy. Um, and I'm releasing this on my own, so I don't have a label oh, uh, nice. this time. Uh, nice. Yeah, so I'm just doing everything myself, and uh, that gives a lot of creative freedom, and I can just decide if I like something. But it also gives some kind of a little more headache because I have all the risk and the, the finances, and uh, it's really expensive to make vinyl. So, um, But it's also really fun. Because you're taking on all those risks, do you feel like that changes your writing process? Do you feel it's free when you're when you're writing, when you're also producing the whole thing? Yeah, great question. Uh, I don't think so. I, um, I, I don't think so, <laughs> but I can say no. Uh, but it's not. It's not like now. Ah, now I just have to make some really pop hits and uh, make a lot of money. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no, it's not like that. Um, I just, uh, I just write the music that I like, and then I record that, and then I make something that I feel is right. And uh, I think that's very impo- important um, yeah. to do the, the thing you 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 feel. Um, yeah. So, so this started out. At, I in I don't know 2021 or something like that, mm-hmm. and I had all this unreleased material, and then I wanted to do like a 
compilation album mm-hmm. and then the title was deeper cuts like in the the like in the back catalog uh, <laughs> the deep cuts yes. um yes. yeah and and somehow i just started writing new music and i thought that was way better <laughs> so uh, i kept the title and then the title began to mean something else um not the back catalog anymore but more like uh, you know I don't know, getting older, uh, becoming a dad and uh, wiser, dealing with life, stuff like that. Ah, that's to me, cool. at least. Uh, that's yeah. cool that that's, I mean, because when I look at the album cover, which is like, you know, a woman's hand with a <laughs> with a knife blade, I just assume that you were, <laughs> you were writing songs about murder at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but really it's you know the knife is symbolic for you having a kid <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, yeah, 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 good, yeah it's funny <laughs> um, but yeah that's the thing about art uh, you, you can make whatever you want and then yeah you know like um, you know like the what's it uh, just thinking the, the movie the um, uh, what's it called? The movie where Matthew McConaughey, what's its name? Matthew Going McConaughey. Space. Oh yeah. yeah, Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's going into space. That's really a family drama. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, but people are going into space. It's it's kind of the same. Maybe it's the same. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. The, <laughs> I see the parallels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's late here. Uh, yeah. um, anyways, um, yeah, and, and John Bergen, um, amazing illustrator, mm-hmm. uh, doing the artwork. Uh, he has been doing artwork for four of my albums, I think. It's great, dude. Uh, I just, yeah, his, his work is amazing. I just said to him, can you make like a big knife on the cover and then some kind of 70s style? And he was like, yeah, awesome. And then he sent this to me, and it was like, perfect. <laughs> so, so that was so, your only uh, direction. You just let, him, yeah, you let yeah. him go. Yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, well, we have been working get together for some time, and then you start to yeah. uh, know each other, each, each t- each other's um, language and yeah. um, what you like and stuff. Yeah. Very cool. And and then we want also talked about one more thing was like um, 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 some some sci-fi desert vibe. We wanted that uh, Mad Max uh, vibe Mm -hmm. on it, and I think it's uh, it it has some of that also. Well, which is it? it Totally fits, and I actually like the warm tones of it because more often than not, especially in this genre now, so in the sort of like the synth wave genre, you're seeing a lot of purples, you're seeing a lot of neons and stuff. So it was nice uh, to see this color change. It starts to feel, for me, when I look at it, it it feels. I understand that you had him go for a 70s illustration, but it also mm-hmm. feels kind of 90s to me too with that orange and stuff, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, th- I think that's John's, um, he, he, he did that, but, but I, I get what you, you, you're you saying. I, I think that's right. Yeah, it's very um, cool, man. It's very cool. Um, I know, because we've had you on the show, it was a while ago, we had you on the show. Yeah. We talked about stuff, but let's let's catch back up again. Is has the writing process changed for you now that you've had all this these new experiences in life and you've had a kid and everything? Is it is it the same? Was writing this album the same as writing the first Code Electro album? 
Um, no, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a whole dif- in a bunch of different ways, mainly because time is like uh, <laughs> a scarce resource. <laughs> um, so, so time is really, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's so hard to find time for making albums and making music uh, in, in my daily life uh, these days. So I really have to, you know, pri- prioritize it and then, and set a lot of time off to make music. And um, back in the day, in, when I did the first albums, I had just like all the time in the, in the world, and I could really, really spend a lot of time on tweaking things. And um, so now I have to, you know, go directly into stuff. And if I don't feel it like right away, or mm-hmm. then I have to start over because that's uh, yeah, it's it. I have to work a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's um, but that suits me fine also because I have a lot more experience and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's because I I've got another friend who's a musician that that yeah. uh, speaks the same way now because he's been around for a while. He's about my he's like forty four forty five, so he's about my age. Yeah. And yeah. he was saying to me, he's like like the music flows through me now, and I don't have to do as much sort of pre-thought i don't have to do as much yeah. tweaking or 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 uh noodling initially and so when he sits down to do it it just flows out of him and and if it feels right he goes with it if not he just changes it immediately and you just become a lot yeah. more one with the sound i think does that make sense yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have, I know, I know my language, or I know what I would like to do. I don't have to develop it, or to, uh, not, not like I did uh, back in the day. Um, yeah, and I know the process, and uh, so, so a lot of stuff has become easier, I think. Well, yeah, and there's a sense of confidence, right? Because now you're, co- mm-hmm. you, you're, you're, yeah. you're not looking for your sound you're not trying to find a sense of uh security in what it is that you're creating you now you you know what you do well and yeah and you know how to play in that sandbox that you've created for yourself yeah absolutely absolutely a new uh challenge is that (laughs) it sometimes it feels like i'm doing the same thing all over again Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so that's that's a new challenge uh i have to face uh and have to to deal with and um that that can also be uh a big, um, big problem for a lot of uh, composers uh, and bands, and to constantly make new stuff and reinvent uh, yourself without feeling that you're just, you know, making the same tracks over and over again. I mean, I feel that same thing as a director. Like you, you, you build your toolbox, and we talk about this on the show all the time. Like, what's your toolbox? What are your go-to's? How mm-hmm. do you fix things? 
that kind of thing. And and the toolbox ends up shaping what your style ends up being, right? I think yeah. a lot of the time, at least in in my world, uh, style is developed when I'm fixing mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And so people are yeah. like, oh, I really like those close-ups. I'm like, well, I had to do that because I didn't have the actor and I had to go through. And so <laughs> you end up making something that's really cool and then you become known for it. And then I just shot two days ago, I think, two days ago, and we were doing a yeah. bunch of pickups for this new movie I'm doing. And mm-hmm. um, I just pulled out all my old toys and I had like my my, my macro lenses and my extenders. And mm-hmm. I, I just sort of pulled them out and I was like, these are my tools and toys. And I was talking to the actor and he goes, well, what is this? I go, that's eh, simple. I've done this before. And I was very <laughs> low key about it. I'm like, it's fine. We'll just yeah. strap these things in. And so then we start to shoot and there's always that fear. Like you were saying, there's that fear in the back of your head where it's like, am I just doing the fucking same thing again? Um, and as yeah. I start doing it and I'm looking at it, it comes so naturally at this point to get to that initial stage that I'm like, but what if I tweak this? What if I, and I, I end up bringing all these new elements into it. And I'm like, ah, mm. now that's been mastered. Like that, when it started, <laughs> it was a mistake that I sort of rolled into being something cool and now I've had the ability and the time to master what that thing is. And this is so much nicer and more refined. Um, yeah. So that kind of beats out the, am I am I just doing the same fucking thing again? Because I feel like there's, there's a masterwork <laughs> that happens in there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and you have, you have to do the work to be able to do that, what you're talking about. You have to spend all those years <laughs> into yeah. making mistakes and projects and have that experience to be able to do that. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's something really, and I'm saying this to a lot of the younger listeners that are listening to the show, because there's a sense of insecurity when you're starting. You're like, what's my style? Mm-hmm. What's it look like? And you spend a lot of times replicating the work of other people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, am I, do, do I have my own voice? Where does my voice come from? I think it's completely natural to start as a replicator. And it's something to be said about this genre of music that you're working in. You know, because synthwave is essentially completely inspired by like John Carpenter, the soundtracks yeah. and scores from the '80s, but it's slowly starting to morph into its own thing now, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. what? What do? You, who were your big influences when you started? Um, I think I watched the the movie Tron, <laughs> <laughs> and then I wanted to make that. <laughs> the original the original to, tron right no 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 not the original it was the the daft punk oh, um, okay one. okay legacy legacy mm-hmm. not not the best movie as i recall but the soundtrack was awesome dude the soundtrack was amazing. Uh, that was the most genius yeah. part of that movie was like at Absolutely. that time convincing disney to yeah. h- hire daft punk to do that that soundtrack it was amazing yeah that was really amazing uh, so that was some had some part in this, uh, but also like the the music I listened to growing up, uh, Jean Michel Chart, uh, Kraftwerk, uh, mm-hmm. these old old uh, uh, synthesizer um, uh, pioneers, uh, Tangerine Dream, also I love Tangerine German Dream. Electron, yeah, awesome, awesome uh, band, and um, I love that stuff for risky business. It's so cool that. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> The sequence with uh, Tom Cruise going into that train with his uh, girlfriend, and they played that music. It was so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Tangerine Dream is one of those bands that, you know, like I'll go into the vinyl shop and I'll go to like vintage electronic section. 
and you start yeah. going through. And I've I've tried to get into craft work. Craft work gets a little complicated. Where I, where yeah. I, I start playing, I'm like, I don't get this. <laughs> like this stuff. Uh, this stuff, <laughs> stuff yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is too That's nerdy. That's a quiet taste. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then you you end up in Tangerine Dream, and and you just look at their their catalog and the the movies yeah. that they've done uh, work for yeah. them. Yeah. Didn't they do? They did. Um, didn't they do Thief? They did a bunch of Michael Mann nope. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you put on an album, and they they can get so weird and so experimental with stuff, but it is definitely a score. It, every time yeah. you listen to it, you feel like you're going on some sort of visual, sensual journey with their with their album. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah, I get. And they that. have been writing so many albums. They have. I, I don't know how many, but <clears throat> they were they were really really was uh, ah really really productive they still they are still existing although i think the the guy who started it uh, is not uh, died some years ago i think yeah that's the weird yeah. thing about it. it's almost like this weird uh standalone entity which is tangerine dream because they swapped musicians yeah. consistently and then the, the band <clears> keeps <throat> building so there are all these different time stamps and different sounds that come from different eras which is fucking yeah, crazy yeah. man yeah. Yeah, and I think also um, the the German school of electronic music, which is uh, which Tangerine Dream is a part of, is really inspiring too. And and also um, Kraftwerk, <laughs> although <laughs> that you think that's a quiet taste, uh, but but uh, but it's 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 so amazing to think about um, Germany from you know after the Second World War, and and they um, they had to invent and and. Um, uh, process everything that happened, and they, you know, uh, did uh, and and hold that that whole cultural, yeah. Um, yeah, processing, and and they didn't have an, a language for music. And if you went to UK or USA, you had the whole blues, and you have the the whole um, right. that kind of of music legacy building on that. But I think in Germany it, it was kind of different, and they had to they had to build a new language for. Um, for making music and and art and and then I think Kraftwerk kind of came out of that. Uh, I think I read that somewhere and the, they, they, there's a biography about Kraftwerk. I read that somewhere and huh. dealing with the the whole legacy um, from huh. the war and 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 cultural uh, German culture. What, what what was that? And people were thinking about that after the war. And uh, um, in that aspect, I think that. Kraftwerk and Tanger and Dream are really, really interesting because they are doing something else and they're doing something new. And, you know, like Beatles, they, they were really, really big Elvis fans and uh, yeah. blues fans and uh, building, they were building on that legacy. Yeah. And the, the yeah. And, but these guys were just so, like, I mean, they were working with like early synthesizers, which were very yeah. experimental instruments to begin with. And the noises yeah, that were yeah. coming out of those instruments were so foreign and strange. Yeah, to years absolutely. at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, playing a live gig as Tangerine Dream or Kraftwerk or Michel Jarre, that would have been insane back in that in those times because all that gear would be 
really, really heavy and cost lots of money and uh, break down all the time, I think. So <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, that's a good thing. Technology has improved that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, one can only imagine because these days you can buy like a little pocket synthesizer and you throw it in your backpack yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you're there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can show up with your MacBook and, and play a gig. It's time to take a sec to uh, talk about the people that make this show possible. And uh, we're going to play a little code electro underneath here um, as we sort of walk through the gear and the equipment that uh, supports this show and uh, the stuff that I use and the stuff that I'm excited about. Um, and let's start with our friends over at Fujifilm. Uh, this episode of In Love With The Process is sponsored by Fujifilm. And uh, they, both Gina and I, have been using their cameras for our stuff, and we love them. The Fujifilm X-H2S is the camera that I'm using to shoot video for inserts. Um, and I love the rig. I love the uh, ProRes features within it. I love the internal looks. Um, I love the fact that it will let me do long running time. So it's a perfect camera. If you guys are filming your own podcasts and you want to actually shoot with a rig that has really good glass in front of it, because most podcasts have been using like video cameras with zoom lenses and they just look like shit. Let's, let's just be real about it. And yes, there are some great podcasts that like their stuff, but wouldn't it be cool to shoot an episode with some good glass, right? Some shallow focus glass stuff, really cool shit. Um, and one of uh, the, what's exciting about our two sponsors, not only Fujifilm, but also our sponsor, Photo Deox. Um, the pairing of the two transforms your Fujifilm camera into an amazing cinema camera uh, because Photo Deox makes lens mount adapters. So I have had them send me a few. Right now, they sent me a Nikon 2 Fujifilm. Uh, X series and also the GFX series that we're using um, because we have a bunch of old school Nikon lenses that I love. I actually have these old Sigma Nikon mount macro lenses and these uh, enable me to focus as close as a centimeter or two centimeters in front of the lens itself. And that's how I'm able to get like these really, really tight focus, de uh, really shallow depth of field macro stuff for my movies. And those lenses, I have a 50 and a 24, which I fucking love. And those lenses have really sort of set the visual style for a lot of my work. And it was just depressing because once you go to another uh, camera company like Fujifilm, you're like, fuck, I can't use those lenses anymore. Um, and so we did the hunting and searching for this company, Photo Deox, which enables me to mount all sorts of different lenses onto my Fuji. And not only are they just simple uh, conversion mounts, right? So one end would be for, let's say, a Nikon mount. The other end would be going towards the camera for Fuji. But some of them actually come with NDs in them, which are amazing, right? So now you can be using these like 1.2 lenses outside wide open so you get that shallow, shallow depth of field because in the lens adapter itself, there are like two or three steps, at least th uh, three stops of ND, which helps you uh, keep that shallow depth of field. Super cool. And 
There's this really cool effect that happens with internal ND. The light sort of bounces around on that glass and it makes this beautiful sort of hazy fog around highlights. So it's almost like a black Promis filter that happens with it. And it gives you the, the vibe that there's a bit of atmosphere in the room. So maybe you're using like a hazer. It looks that way. A lot of really cool stuff that happens with the folks over at Photo Deox. So if you go to F-O-T-O-D-I-O-X pro.com, just look at their modifiers. I uh, just picked up some PL mount modifiers for it. And uh, this weekend I will be shooting uh, again anamorphic. Um, so I'm gonna try these anamorphics on the Nikon, or not the Nikon, I'm sorry, on the Fuji film camera. I'm excited about it. I'm gonna put those on the XHS, right? I always fuck that number up. <laughs> it's the XH2S, there it is. So I'm gonna put them on that, I'm fucking pumped about it. And the cool thing is, is that we've been using those adapters on their large format camera, the GFX 100S, and um, a lot of our older lenses that we had for Nikon now cover that full chip, which is super cool. Gina's been using them. You like that stuff, right? What? The uh, being able to mount all these lenses to your- Oh, I love that shit. Yeah, the GFX. She's in the process of getting ready. We're doing a shoot tomorrow. We're shooting all Fujifilm tomorrow, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. What lenses are we using tomorrow? Uh, Mamiya RB67. Oh, the Mamiya ones. Because of the adapter, right? So now these Mamiya lenses that were normally, what are they at? Like a three, four or like a four for an yeah. aperture on them? Yeah. So now she can put those on there and they had a minimum depth of field of at least three feet. Oh, yeah, at, least. at least three feet. But with this adapter, you actually get this macro feature so that people can actually step closer to these old school lenses. It's crazy, man. I mean, I know I'm doing like a half-assed job selling it right now on this this ad read, I should just do a whole episode on adapters and how it changes the world. Because here's the deal. Most importantly, you can have any camera body, right? At the end of the day, it's all about, you know, what resolution, how good the chip is, how good the color profile is. This is what I really like about Fujifilm is that their color profiles are amazing. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just a recording back. It's about the glass. It's about what you're putting that light through. And so to have an adapter set and to have Fujifilm enable you to shoot, by the way, one of their features is great, you can shoot without the camera registering a lens on it. So there's an internal uh, feature within the menu system where you can tell the Fujifilm camera to shoot uh, or, to, uh, or to engage the shutter without a lens attached to it, which then enables you to put all these different adapters on it, put this old school glass on it, fucking rad stuff. So you come up with these really, really cool visuals. You guys are going to be very excited when you see the new stuff that we're putting together, especially this new film and all the inserts and stuff. It's a lot of fucking fun. Um, so the combination, once again, go to fujifilm-x.com. And if you're looking for a really versatile uh, current uh, video camera from them, uh, I highly suggest their X series. Um, and uh, that shoots 4K, uh, ProRes, great rig. Um, but stick around i've heard rumblings and rumors that they're doing a new version of their gfx large format camera that is going to be a beast of a video camera so if you want my if you want my advice stick around definitely check out the x series is a great second shooter but 
you know, get your hands on some, uh, if you're going to buy photo deox adapters, think about doing the GFX series. I would do that. Um, also supporting the show are our friends over at Puget Systems. If you're a musician, right? If you're someone that is building all your music electronically, uh, you know that it's important to have a computer that uh, never fails, that runs every, all the hardware and all the software that you need working uh, with some of the newest hardware on the marketplace. Oftentimes you guys need to have breakout boxes. You need to have uh, other cards to work with the old school synths that you guys are doing. Um, build yourself a PC. Let's just say it, man. I know Macs are the hot ticket on the marketplace and maybe there's, is there a lot of you out there that just have a shitload of disposable income money that you could just throw away on an unboxing experience? Is that your mode? Um, I, I get it. I understand that that's the deal, but not me, man. I, I need to have a computer that not only is affordable, not only has hardware components that are competitive for prices, but I also need to have a machine that's upgradable, right? I don't want to throw this thing into the ocean. This thing's going to stick around for a while. So uh, I did the research. I found this company, Puget Systems. What I love about them is that they beta test um, and they benchmark test all this new hardware that comes out in the marketplace. They put it to work with the new software upgrades because we live in this world of subscription-based services and there's always some stupid software upgrade that renders our hardware useless. These guys stay on top of all of it. They're a great resource, even if you're not buying a computer, to get all sorts of information on what hardware works with what. Go to PugetSystems.com, check them out. And if you're someone that is running a post-production facility and you need to build multiple systems, this is the place to go. These guys will help you build multiple systems that talk to each other, that work with each other, for your one shop. So it's a one-stop shop. PugetSystems.com. Check them out. Um, let's see. Also, supporting the show, friends over at Boca, Boca Rentals. I've said this a hundred times. One of the most important things to do as a young cinematographer, one of the most important things to do as a young filmmaker, and even a young producer, is to make friends with a local rental house. Do it. You're not going to be able to keep up with the hardware. You're not going to be able to buy all the newest stuff in the marketplace. And each job requires something different. Each show requires a different set of glass. Each show requires different gear, right? So why would you not become friends with your local rental house? Where are you guys at? I know you guys are all over the world. There are folks that are listening in Germany. There are folks that are listening in South Africa. Do you guys have rental houses out there? How do you get your gear? Let me know. Write me some messages on Instagram. How do you find your equipment? What's your favorite rental house? For those of you in Los Angeles, are you going to Boca Rentals yet? Because it is a place that is 100% focused on creating relationships with young filmmakers and young cinematographers. That's what they do. That's what they're there for. They run training services, training seminars. Uh, they now have a new shop that's open in Las Vegas. Can you fucking believe it? Las Vegas, man. I think they're one of the few rental houses in Las Vegas. It's insane. And these guys carry their inventory. The stuff that's available to you is massive. We're talking about all of the hot new lenses on the marketplace, all these really beautiful anamorphic lenses. Um, it is one of the only places on the West Coast that you get a snorri cam if you're going to do a snorri cam rental. Um, Boca Rentals is the jam. And I heard from the owner of Boca Rentals, and he was telling me that a lot of you have been contacting him and writing to him and setting up relationships, fuck yes. Be sure to mention my name when you do so, so that he knows that you're coming from the show and you never know what'll happen. So Boca Rentals, go to bocarentals.com, follow them on Instagram. 
All right. Finally, if you're listening to the show for the first time and you're like, man, where do I go? I just want to listen to all the musician episodes. Go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. I've curated everything by subject material there. This is also a great place to go for supplemental material while you're listening to the episode. You can actually see trailers, you can see clips, you can see pictures, all that stuff is up there. It's a great place to go for information on our sponsors and giveaways. Inlovewiththeprocess.com. How many of you go to fucking websites anymore? There's another question I have for you. Do you guys go to websites still? Is it just to buy the thing? You guys surf websites? Where are we at? You guys just all trapped on Instagram, drooling over cheeseburgers and tits. (laughs) What's going on? Anyway, so uh, that's it, man. Let's get back to it with Martin. And, and and if we talk about you know Kraftwerk and and then go a little uh, up in time and you you have uh, bands like Rammstein, mm-hmm. um, uh, which you you can f- kind of feel how how they build on the Kraftwerk legacy, I think for sure, uh, for sure, yeah, and I think that's that's uh, really interesting in that kind of language uh, in music and you, yeah, yeah, I mean not just in the most basic way, like if you. If you guys have ever listened to Ramstein, great band. Um, and of course, they blew up here in the US with uh, Du Hast, which had an ama- yeah. amazing music video. That was really what got me, yeah. was that music video. Yeah. Um, and then in the even in that piece, they had a lot of synth. They had sort of like an electronic sound yeah. w- mixed with that heavy metal sound. But I think it was also the structuring of their music, too, which also felt that way. Like how yeah, it was structured. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, absolutely. They felt like a, a strange version of like a heavy metal act. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. They, they have amazing uh, videos. Uh, oh my god, dude! Uh, yeah. uh, the bank robbery video. I forget what the what song that was for, but there was a great bank robbery video, and the, the even currents and. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of. <laughs> it was my fault. One of my buddies asked me to go to their tour because I just toured recently. And it yeah. was like right after COVID and there was a bunch of work and I was just, and he had like, he had general admission tickets and I'm like, I don't want to be in a fucking pit, you know? <laughs> like, I'm like, you sort of hit like your mid forties where you're like, which yeah. I, as a, as I sort of go down this hole here, I ended up at um, a side story. I ended up at um, whiskey, a whiskey go-go out here. And yeah. there was, they had like this like '90s new metal night, <laughs> and they had this <laughs> band up on stage. I forget what they were called, but the the chorus for the song was like, "I'm such a pig, p p i g g pig, right?" And I'm sort of standing in this group <laughs> on this floor yeah. of older men, right, who all used to listen to new metal, right? And we're all sort of there with our arms crossed, and there's this big dude Absolutely. in front of me. This guy looks like he moves like refrigerators for a job, and, and he turns and looks at me and he goes, "I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna start a pit. Are you okay with that?" And I was like, "Where are we? What's happening?" <laughs> it's like, "Okay, buddy, sure. You want to? Let me just back yeah. up a little bit. All right." Yeah. All right. But yeah, those those metal dudes there, so polite. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, so nice and polite. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all yeah. like middle aged now. And so yeah. <laughs> and so when my friend was like, Hey, uh, I've got tickets to Ramstein, I was like, fuck, I wanna go because they 
are like they're trained firefighters and pyrotechnics and the yeah, the stuff yeah. they do is insane. But he's like, I got general mission. I'm like, I don't want to <laughs> be in a Rammstein pit. <laughs> so I didn't do it, but I yeah. wish I did because I saw a video of their pyrotechnics yeah. is amazing for their shows. Yeah, that's 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 wild. I did, I, did, I went and see saw them some years ago, and you can just feel the the heat from the fire it's <laughs> because it's so it's so wild yeah yeah it, it, awesome life experience yeah man yeah it's it's sad you didn't go <laughs> yeah i know it's my fault yeah. my, friend, yeah. my friend went he was like it was so cool you're such an old man now and i was like fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so upset yeah. Yeah. but uh yeah man the great band and and uh it's interesting i think that's an interesting thing that we started to talk about here was that yeah. because I never really thought that, man. Like if you if you think about 1970s music here, like you said, like the Rolling Stones were just a blues band. They were obsessed with like southern blues. Yeah. Um and um, yeah. it, it really all stems from that kind of music. And what was what was German what was German music like before the war? Was it all classical and mm -hmm. opera? Like I have no idea. I have no, no idea. I, th I think that Berlin was probably a big jazz city, but I'm I, I really don't know. Maybe we should talk with someone who knew something. Yeah, I should. This, I should. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man. I never really thought yeah. of that. And then, and then, because when you put in craft, like there are a couple tracks that I like of craft work, and I've got a couple of vinyls on my shelf that I never play because yeah. <laughs> I got them once yeah. and I put them on. I'm like, yeah. where do they fucking come up with this shit? And it makes sense now. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they say if you in the in the biography they are talking about they are making art, not special especially music. They are not making music, but they are making art. Mm. And I think if you see the covers and you think think about the the concept and the feelings you get when you look at at uh, the the artwork, the red artwork with the guys looking like robots and they are standing four on a line and uh, the tie they wearing ties and <laughs> stuff like that it, it it gives a special emotion um yeah yeah it's super cool man so like yeah. for those of you listening if you are vinyl shoppers head over when you go to your next shop and if you're out here in la there's a bunch of really great shops that have this stuff head over to the electronic mm -hmm. section and go through it and they're very inexpensive like the uh i mean i think craft work is could still be pricey because they're a bigger name but i've picked up yeah. tangerine dream albums that i love for like four bucks and yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're vinyls. They're very cheap um, yeah. and awesome to listen because there's a lot of filmmakers that listen to the show, a lot of directors that listen to the show. Yeah. I will put that shit on if I'm storyboarding. I'll put that stuff on if I'm if I'm concepting out ideas. I'm very mm. inspired by them. They're fucking yeah, really yeah. cool, man. Really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and it's like their music fits so well into that medium. Yeah. I don't know if it's because it's electronic or if it's so dynamic or I don't I don't know why, but it, it just sounds so good on uh, vinyl. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah it's super cool, man. And it, like, it obviously, such an uh, a huge influence on uh, the cinema that that I know you and I grew up watching. You know, like yeah, electronic absolutely. music must have been so dangerous. You know, you look back on all the old John Carpenter stuff and he, yeah. the fact that he was doing it himself, it, it yeah. was just such a dangerous, weird sound. Like if you think of like the Escape from New York soundtrack or if you think of yeah, yeah. Um, like even elements, I mean, he, he didn't really do much of the thing stuff. 
Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, any of his, like, uh, even uh, Assault on Precinct 13, I love that soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think he did did it from commercial reasons or economic reasons because right. he couldn't afford the the big orchestra, orchestra sound. And then he just, hey, man, I'm just doing it myself. <laughs> I can do this, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, also a lot of work and um, a big risk also probably, Yeah, I think. Yeah, for sure, dude, for sure. And I know that he was, like, I think he, I saw a doc on him, and I'm going to misquote all this, but I had seen a doc on John Carpenter, and I think he was trained musically. I don't know if he was trained for guitar, and then he became okay. a thing, and it's it's actually fun. I, I want to try to see, I don't know if he's touring again, but he was coming through LA. He was playing here in Los Angeles with, I think he was playing with his son and a couple other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I saw him play in, here in Denmark. Did uh, you? Was, yeah, yeah, super cool. Yeah. He's he's not like he he can play and play really well, but he's not like a classic musician. Uh, it's like you you can feel the the other guys in the band are really playing well, but he's like um, he has this aura over <laughs> over him or this um, uh, how how can you how do you say that intensity um, like an intensity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's really great experience. Oh, I have to see it, man. I like yeah. I love going to uh, electronic shows. They're so much fun to me. And it, especially yeah. if they're, you know, in there with keyboards and they're, when you were, when, when you did your live show, what did you bring for yeah. gear? Was it all keyboard stuff? Were you going off the computer? Were you using synthesizers? Uh, yeah, I, 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 um, I had uh, a couple of synthesizers and then I, um, I really wanted that band feeling. So uh, I hired a drummer and a guitarist, and um, and then the guitarist no no the the drummer um, had some backtracks he could play. Um, he would start, and then the whole band would play with the backtracks. That's cool. And uh, yeah, so, so because there are so many sounds, and I can play them all, so I have to have something of yeah. of the the sounds uh, from the albums. I have to to uh, be played from the backtracks and. Um, that was really fun experience, and yeah, and, and because the music it's not like traditionally uh, intro, verse, chorus, uh, verse, and so on. Um, the music is I have written is, is just like all over the place and <laughs> doing weird stuff. And uh, the the drummer and Christoph, uh, Christopher and uh, Nils, the guitarist, they are just like, what is this? <laughs> 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 and they had to learn it, you know, really playing it. And uh, yeah, and fun stuff, uh, fun story. We had the Inia uh, production uh, on this on the live show. Mm -hmm. So uh, Christopher, he. he um, on the on the live in ear tracks that we heard that the the audience didn't hear, he was counting in, and he also said, "Break down, uh, one, two, three, four, and then break down." And we could hear that in the in the in ear monitor we had. So oh, uh, we, so we always knew where the track was going, and uh, <laughs> that was really fun and a new world for me. But they had to do it that way because they couldn't. Uh, learned the track so well that they could just play it without mistakes. So uh, they had all these count-ins and uh, breakdowns and announcing. Now, now the solo is coming and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, wild. That's so then the I mean the drummer was keeping you guys all on path. He was the one that was doing all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was cool, man. So yeah, because yeah, it's, it's you didn't write any of that to be played live initially, right? That was all just electronic for you. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I just had the thought that maybe I should do that, and and then let's let's try that and see how it how it goes. And uh, luckily, it, it it went really well. And um, yeah, so it's it's super fun to do live and make live. It, it the music is it's just like you create the music with the audience somehow mm-hmm. and you are being you are all of you are in this all of us are in this uh, room together emotion together and uh, connecting through the music and uh, that's a whole different experience than from making vinyl and uh, digital music yeah So it sounds like you had a lot of fun with it. Would you consider, um, because there there are other bands out there that have that are in the genre that have like Carpenter Brute, for instance. Like yeah, you feel yeah. like they had so much fun playing their stuff live, and I saw them live, and they were mm. insane live because it, it was a whole lot of instrumentation. There were guitars and stuff, yeah. um, and they had like this bass level that was just punching you in the chest when I saw them. Um, yeah. Do you, and I feel like now with their last couple of albums, they're like, we were writing for live musicians. Do you feel like mm. you'll get to that stage where you're going to write stuff that's going to be played live? I understand that you would like to do that. I understand why bands would like to do that because, um, because it's so, it's so fun to have music that works live. Yeah. Uh, and I also had to, in my music, I had to arrange it a little bit different and speed it up. <laughs> little bit because my tracks are so slow <laughs> and then uh, it, it has to you you know this has to be faster and uh, we did we did that in the rehearsal room and um, yeah so 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 making music for vinyl the way i did it is different than making music for live shows but i understand the making music for live shows also yeah I, I understand why you would do that also because um Maybe it will be easier to get the bookings, perhaps. Yeah. If your music is more like um, life friendly, <laughs> um, yeah, and not too weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, I I think, I mean, of course, I'm a huge fan of the whole movement, right? And I I love mm. this electronic music. And anybody that listens to the show, you guys all know how obsessed I am with this. And it's funny to me because when I was a kid, I was more of a metal kid. So I grew up with yeah. Megadeth and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whenever I go into the vinyl shops now, it's, it's me and a bunch of other dudes in old metal t-shirts in the retro wave sections. And just so flipping <laughs> through this stuff and grabbing it. And out here in Los Angeles, I mean, look, rock and roll has been dead for quite some time. And there are still mm-hmm. bands out there that are attempting to do it, but... Uh, and supposedly the, the the next generation is really sort of obsessed with live music and they're trying to really push that. 
um, mm. and get that back. So the, supposedly there's a revival of it. But the thing that really depresses me out here, uh, at least in Hollywood, is you go down to like Sunset, and that was like the origins of like, that's where the door started. And if you mm. go to the 80s, that's where, you know, you had like, all the like Guns N' Roses and all the hair metal yeah, bands yeah. and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And we will still go in. Gene and I will go out. We'll go to the Rainbow Room. We'll, we went yeah. just recently went to the Viper Room. And yeah. it feels like those places, like the Viper Room's getting torn down now. I think they're going to put a hotel in it. Wow. This place, which is wow. super depressing. And it felt like yeah. those those venues were just sort of sticking to. It's almost like a like a lost carnival ride where they were they're sticking to like the <laughs> 80s thing. And I just wanted to to tell them like guys, book synthwave fucking acts here. Like yeah. <laughs> bring an electronic synthwave acts because it still fits that sort of nostalgic vibe that you guys are mm. are marketing. But I think you'll pull in such a huge fucking audience. And and after seeing, you know, I've seen Magic Sword live. Those guys are great live. Mm. I've seen absolutely Cap yeah. Carpenter Brute live. Um, and then you start getting into more mainstream stuff. Even if you go to the level of almost dance with like Justice and those guys, yeah. I think yeah. that it would have reinvented Sunset if they, and I'm putting this out there, I think that would mm. reinvent Sunset if you guys were tackling the electronic scene and, and playing mm. that because there's a whole group of, of not just young folks, but also us middle-aged old fogies that love that shit. <laughs> yeah. And it's so Absolutely. cinematic and to listen to and to watch, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, w I would love to do something uh, with some metal bands, uh, something like that, Some making something. Yeah, that would be awesome. Dude. I would love to do that. I can really see what you're talking about. Ah. I think that Muse, the band Muse, yep. probably did. Didn't they do something synth-wave-ish, uh, bringing in some synth synthesizers? And yeah, man. Especially in the artwork. Um, For I sure. think they, they were drawing on that Blade Runner uh, synth-wave. Yeah, man. And right. like, but you're also seeing synthwave production, at least, and everything, right? I mean, The weekend. Yeah. Look at The weekend. That's, the weekend yeah. wouldn't be The yeah. weekend without all the synthwave stuff that he does in it, right? Yeah, now. yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's it's such a cool scene, and it's, it's a fun scene, and like, the merch and the artwork and all that stuff, it just seems so tailored for live. And I think yeah. the, the, the problem is that uh, this scene has is that a lot of you guys are, are doing stuff on the computer and you guys are, are coming yeah. at it from a different angle. You guys are more almost like electronic producers. And it's interesting yeah. to try to see the adapt, like if it can be figured out for you guys to adapt that into a live medium, I think that would blow up. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 That, and that was why it was so important to me that having a band on yeah. stage yeah. and uh, get that band vibe yeah. going. Um, because, because, um, yeah, yeah, because I come, I come from playing in bands and I wanted that vibe and not just standing with a computer and, and, uh, playing tracks. Yeah. Drinking, <laughs> not, drinking, not drinking water and twisting the volume knob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like you. I mean, like if you're going to stand elevated, right? So if you're at a show, you're at a platform, you're elevated abo above everybody else, you yeah. you want to be showcasing, at least in some way, you want to be showing the the rush that you get from like mixing things and putting things together and and creating, Absolutely. you know, the synth sounds and like, <laughs> there's nothing worse. Like I've seen a bunch of DJs. <laughs> 
seen a bunch of DJs yeah. that show up with a with a fucking USB thumb drive and they stand there and drink yeah, water yeah. and twist a knob. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That, that that's not fun. No. You, there has to be something at the stake. stake. Uh, there has to be some danger. So things have. There has to be a possibility of things going wrong. I think yeah. when you're performing live. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah, man, the thrill of it, and that's yeah, absolutely. That man, I'd like I I really because I I feel like everybody knows you know because honestly Stranger Things really sort of blew it up for the general public, but then yeah. you, you look at like Nicholas Refen's work and you look at Drive and like that soundtrack mm. really blew up the synthwave movement, um, yeah. and then like you said Daft Punk was like also really blew up that with Tron, um, yeah. You just wish that there was more of that. I mean. Being a fan from the scene, uh, I wish that there were more live shows. I really do, because I would go all the yeah. fucking time to see that stuff. Yeah. 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 Maybe in time there will. Maybe people will start playing uh, more more live shows. Maybe they will. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't know how it is in the USA, but here in, in Denmark, it, it, after COVID, people are not so uh, into going to live shows like they were before. That's like kind of, um, we have to start it all over again. So there was a little bit of that, like right after, but you know, you know, we're we're bullheaded Americans, so like, <laughs> so I mean, half of us didn't even want to wear fucking masks, you know what I mean? So like, they're, they're pretty, they're, we're pretty stupid, and so uh, yeah, you said that, yeah, I said that, yeah, 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 yeah I did. You know, being a, a dumb American, yes, uh, but I've been to a few. I, who did I see recently? I saw Tool. Tool was amazing. Yeah, wow. Cool. Um, they were really they're great. doing wild live shows aren't they they're, they're really dude dude that has to be dude, wild yeah dude like their experience is so technical and then the thing mm. that i really love about maynard who's the lead singer of tool for those young people listening yeah um he uh doesn't like to be front and center and so okay. the, what he does, he'll hide himself behind these screens or behind these semi-transparent <laughs> screens. And so he's wow. like the unlit sort of shadow figure in the background. And they give all the attention at the live show to their rhythm section. 
And so okay. while you're watching it, you're watching like, and these, they're big fucking dudes. And you're watching these guys take you on this journey and they're, they're just bending these like metal strings and they're coming up with really strange rhythms. Uh, and yeah. then they do like yeah. this beautiful uh, visual show that's very sort of hypnotizing and, and it, yeah. it sends you on this trip. It's fucking really yeah. great show to see live. To yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it has to be, you know, they have to, making a connection to the audience, that's so such a big deal of playing music live. And if he's behind the screens, they have to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess they have to have the, the visuals and the rhythm section coming forward and stuff like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, and I forgot too, because it had been so long since I had been to a show, and when I went to see that show, it was in a stadium, so it was pretty big. And I went to see that okay. one and just saw like the relationship with your physical body with the yeah. sonic, the bass elements and the sonic elements and how it just sort of vibrates you internally. You don't get that with yeah. fucking Spotify. You don't get that at home. <laughs> no. You know? No. And also, you know, the, the, the connection connection with other people yeah. and, and, uh, and being... Yeah, but that's that's the thing about live music and can connect people, and uh, I think that's that's a big part of it. Also, you, you told like the the one dude who asked you if it was okay that he was doing the bit thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember. Being, I grew up in the. I was a teenager in the nineties. I think we are like kind of same age. Yeah. Uh, I'm 43. Yeah. And and I remember growing up in the nineties, and we had the grunge thing and the. The Pantera kind of music, and uh, and people were doing these mosh, mosh pits. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just happened, and and I think I don't know if we were crazy back then, but we just jumped right in, <laughs> and it was like like having these I wouldn't say fights, but you know pushing each other and <laughs> stuff like that. It was just nuts, and I think they're really doing that still uh, in. Met, at metal uh, in the metal scene um, yeah to a certain extent yeah. it's, <clears throat> yeah. it's funny because i spent so much time doing music videos in the hardcore world and then yeah. in that world and i was also involved with the making of the uh, godfathers of hardcore documentary mm-hmm. which followed agnostic front around and they talk about cbgbs and it was like this uh, the the hardcore punk scene especially in new york was almost it was this group of misfits uh kids that oftentimes had like terrible home situations, like family situations. Yeah, yeah. They found their family within this and they're all young teenagers, man. So they're, you know, they're, they're aggressive. There's a lot of testosterone kicking around and the music gets exciting and they start to dance and, and uh, you know, they're just fl- like flopping their arms around and throwing themselves around in pits. And yeah. in the beginning, I think it was just very innocent where it was like, Hey, we can drop our guard. I can let out this aggression that I yeah. have boiling up within you know within me and Mm. in the beginning i think it was sort of that and then i think when we got to our age i think when you got into like out of the 70s and 80s and into the 90s it became very bro-y here in the in the u.s where it was like you know football like pantera was like the first like metal band for football players you know what i mean and so suddenly (laughs) you had like these very aggressive dudes that would just run into a pit and punch people you know what i mean so you're like that's not fucking dancing like like and they're like i'm I'm just dancing bro and they're fucking like knocking people out and shit and you're like this is violence (laughs) this is not this is not dancing 
Um, Whoa. <laughs> so, so like the only time I've ever had a fun time in a pit has been in a small club with like a hardcore, like I was doing music videos for these bands, our live stuff. So it was like a mm. hardcore band. It was all their friends and their fans. And it was like very close. And if someone got knocked around or f- fell on the ground, they, that person would help pick them up and they would continue. Yeah, yeah. But then you start getting into like those giant festivals and, you know, yeah. it's a bunch of, like, aggro fucking dudes on, like, crystal meth or whatever they're on. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like fucking Mad Max Thunderdome. You know what I mean? Like, two men enter, wow. one is yeah. pulled out here. Uh, I could never get into that shit. Once that stuff starts happening, I'm like, I'm the fuck out of here. Even as a kid, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not getting, that guy's like six, seven. I'm not getting punched in the face by that man. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Fun shit, man. Like yeah. I, there's a piece of me that misses that because I, I, I know that there are still some metal shows. There's some underground metal shows that are existing. And I think a lot of the stuff, and this is probably my ignorance. And, and if, if there are younger listeners on the show who are into the new metal scene, send me stuff because I'm I'm curious. But um, from what I've seen, it just feels like these bands playing in sort of this nostalgic playground of like, eh, let's kind of do this. And, you know, when we were at the end of it, we were doing music videos for like Periphery and Meshuggah, it started to get very techy and like very like mathematical and like what kind of gear are we using and how are we playing with this gear? And it kind of lost that, you know, that reckless abandon that you felt when you watched like David Lee Roth fucking like, you know, doing an air (laughs) split, you know, (laughs) you know, or if you watched like, you know, the early days of uh, Metallica and how, aggressive those fuckers were before they ended up in their Range Rovers. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Different world, man. Different world. Yeah. 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 Well, but anyway, man, we should probably, we're about an hour in on this, man. It's great to hear from you, Martin. And it's, it's, it's really cool to chat. And um, we, you, you want to give away some vinyls to our listeners, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah, man. And I, yeah, yeah. Well, let's do, we'll do like a contest. So we'll set up a contest yeah. where uh, I'll do some posts on Instagram. So keep your eye out at Mike Petchy on Instagram. We'll do some, we'll do a, a, a giveaway. We'll give away because the, the vinyl's gorgeous. Um, absolutely. The cover, yeah. the artwork's great. Uh, we've been playing music during this episode, so you guys know what it sounds like. And if you guys have been listening to the show, you know what it sounds like. And I love, um, the vinyl that I have from you is like this orange sort of transparent pressing. Mm. Are they all the same color? Yeah. Yeah. They are all, they are all the same. They have this kind of uh, smoke effect. If you hold them up into the light and look into it, it's, 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 it's I think the effect is called galaxy, <clears throat> but they, um, yeah, they look really great. Yeah, I was really happy. You you never know when you're putting in the order at the pressing plant. You really never know what comes out. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, I think they look amazing. Yeah, dude. They're great, man. It's a great yeah. addition to your collection. Um, and Thanks. It, like if you guys are listening, if you guys are getting into vinyls like I am, I, my the largest selection of vinyls that I have in my wall is stuff from this scene because it's so much fun to play it. It's so much fun mm-hmm. to be in a space and have friends over and actually put on these albums because many people 
just don't know the scene. And so when you put this on, you're like a fucking magician. Like people are like, where does this come from? <laughs> is this is this from a movie? This sounds like Daft Punk. Yeah. Like, where is this? So it's it's fun, man. Whoever gets whoever wins one of these vinyls is uh it's it's a lucky grab, man. And then for yeah. for, for those that want to support uh Martin and Code Electro and get some stuff, where should they go? Just to your website? Yeah, they can go to website, my website, codelectro.com or Go to Instagram or uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Facebook, all the socials. We'll put links yeah. in the description of this episode as well. So uh, uh, definitely go check it out. Support uh, Martin. Support Code Electro. Pick up. I have. I'm lucky because I have all his <laughs> older vinyls, and I love those too. Uh, <laughs> and you guys have heard the classics on this show, and it's fun. Whenever I have parties and people show up that listen to the show and I put on that stuff, they go, shit, this is from the fucking show. And you go, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, man. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's really cool, man. So uh, when are you coming to the, are you come back to the U.S. anytime soon? I would hope so. I don't have any plans, but, uh, you know, I'm booking a tour now. So maybe if any, <laughs> any venues in the U S uh, would like to do something, that's, that's not impossible. Let's that do it. Super man. Fun. I yeah. think we, we need to start a revolution, man. We need to like, Absolutely. let's, let's get sunset strip to become the place for retro wave. Like, let's have it be yeah. that man. Cause I, <laughs> yeah. it needs to be like, we're beyond, not like it's so depressing <laughs> this is me being a dick it's so depressing going in there we went in there one night to uh one of the venues and i felt like the janitor literally put his mop down and got up on stage and started to wow. play guitar and then went back down and picked up his mop again it's like that's that's the level the rock and roll is at right now here. <laughs> so let's reinvent it <laughs> yeah, yeah let's do that yeah yeah uh martin thanks for being on the show my friend yeah, thank you so much for having me. There it is, today's episode in the can. I I love Martin, man. He, like it's been too long since I've seen him in person and when we first hung out years ago, he came to visit and stayed with uh, Gene and I in Boston and then him and I just really bonded. We ended up out drinking beers, talking about life, talking about relationships, talking about music, talking about art. Um, and uh, I missed the guy. So it was, it's nice to hear his voice. And if you're listening, Martin, it was really great chatting with you. Um, I love this world, man. And, and stick around because surprise, surprise, I'm doing a bunch of music episodes. Uh, I'm getting some of our favorite musicians on the show. I'm negotiating with some of the best uh, synthwave acts. There's going to be a bunch of these episodes rolling out over the next couple of months, and we're going to go deep into new music from this world. Um, and for those of you who are just showing up to the show and listening to it, uh, just spend some time, go deep into, uh, I guess they call it new retrowave, synthwave um, music, right? And some of the acts that I would suggest, listen to anybody who obviously a uh, place for the show so we've got code electro we've got betamax uh, neon droid um but if you want to go even deeper one of my favorite acts is power glove that's two words power glove their music is amazing um carpenter brute is amazing it feels like carpenter group brute and power glove 
are sort of playing in the synthwave scene, but they're also offshoots of the old electronic band Justice. If you guys have ever listened to Justice, go listen to that first album, the black cover album with the upside down cross. Great, great stuff. Um, I also have, I think it's still up at lovewiththeprocess.com. If you scroll down on the main page, uh, I put up yearly playlists, Spotify playlists of acts that I love uh, and synthwave acts that I love. So uh, not only do I put up music from that we play on the show, but also music that I don't have the rights to play on the show from bigger acts. Don't have the rights yet because I'm still contacting them. But um, that's a great place to go if you want to dig deeper into um, the world of Synthwave. And uh, if you guys want any suggestions, uh, talk to me. Write to me on Instagram and, and tell me what you're listening to. I want to hear the stuff and the acts that you guys are listening to as well. I just find the genre so inspiring um, and exciting. And it, it has the same elements of excitement that a lot of the old metal music had for me. But it it just also mixes and blends in with uh, scores and soundtracks in the cinematic universe. So hope you guys have been enjoying it as you listen to the show. We're proud to be one of the few podcasts that spends so much time uh, in this genre. Um, and we're now at the point where we're getting recognized for it, which is fucking cool as shit. Um, so let me know what you guys are listening to these days. And, you know, I was talking some shit about rock and roll right now. I know that there are some bands out there doing some stuff and they're trying to revive the scene and they're trying to revive live music. Uh, and like, you know, bands, you know, band acts, you know, uh, sounds that, you know, are created by five or six different people on stage. I hope that comes back, man. There's a sense of excitement around, uh, you know, multiple personalities trying to stay in sync and, uh, you know, perform. Uh, I kind of miss that shit. I really do. So I hope in one way or another that stuff comes back. And I was not kidding if by any chance somebody is listening to the show that has any sort of swing or pull when it comes to making uh, <laughs> booking people for clubs on Sunset, I think we should go towards the synth wave, right? I think it should. I think it's time, man. Talk about epic. Talk about epic stuff that fits right in. And fuck, man, it sucks that the Viper Room's getting torn down. I would have loved to have done a synth wave night at the Viper Room. How cool would that be? Yeah, anyway. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. And uh, as always, I will be back next Tuesday with something new. A uh, bunch of stuff on the way. So uh, stick around and tell your friends. Do me a favor. Tell your friends um, to listen to the show. Tell two or three friends to do that. And uh, check out my Instagram for rules on how to win a free vinyl from Code Electro. All right. So that's at Mike Petchy on Instagram. That's it. I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Tuesday.